Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. You might remember a few weeks back when I, I spoke about how on Facebook you receive a, a notification every day, which now says Facebook has memories for you. The memories go all the way back to when you started posting on that social networking site. Now, maybe something that was a year ago, it might be something that was 12 years ago, just however long you've been on that particular site. It's like the modern day equivalent of when I was a kid and I would love flicking through photo albums and seeing these amazing memories, things that I'd maybe forgotten about, hadn't really thought about. And then you see a photograph and you think, oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't know about you, but going through all of these things, I'm sometimes tempted to ask myself the question, where did the time go? It seems to fly by so fast. And I remember I used to laugh when I was younger. People would say to me, you know, Neil, you know, enjoy it because life goes quicker the older you get. I used to laugh it off. But maybe I need to stop kidding myself on. Maybe I'm not young anymore. Because life does tend to go a lot faster nowadays than it used to. James, in his passage, is reminding us that not only does time go fast, but our life on earth is very short. That as Christians, we need to have an eternal perspective. That we need to keep our eye on the future. See, life is short. We might look and we might think, well, if I can get, you know, 80 years, then I would have been fortunate. But there's been so many advances in medicine and, and, and looking after our health and the way that, that, that our part of the world where we're blessed we have a better understanding of health and how to prolong life. There's so many more people living to being a hundred or even more than a hundred. But the thing is, if we were to hold up a long piece of string that lasted from, from the very beginning to eternity, 80 years or a hundred years is probably, we wouldn't even be able to see it so small. So why do we have to have this eternal perspective? Well, as Rick Warren says, living in the light of eternity changes your priorities. Living in the light of eternity changes your priorities. I think what Rick is saying is that you would use your time and your, your money more wisely. That you might place a, a higher premium 
on relationships, your character, instead of wealth and, and fame, things that are perceived as fun at the time, and then when they pop up as a memory, maybe not so much fun now. Our priorities start to become reordered. And they're keeping up with, with trends and being fashionable. And any of the popular values of the time, they don't seem to matter so much as they once did. You see, if our time on earth, that this was the only, this was it, this was our, our only life, this was it, then why would you live ethically good? Surely you would just do whatever it is that makes you happy. We might indulge ourselves, become totally self-centered because ultimately our actions don't matter. We're only here for a short period of time. Where do you get your ethics from? But you see, and this makes all of the difference, as followers of Jesus, death, our time here on earth is not the end of us. Death is not a termination, but a transition into eternity. So there are eternal consequences to everything that we do here on earth. Every act of our lives strikes a chord that will vibrate in eternity. We need to have an eternal perspective. We need to have our eye on the future. James starts by addressing the, the fleeting nature of wealth and earthly wealth. Here in verses 1 to 3, Come now, you rich people, weep and wail for the miseries that are coming to you. Your riches have rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have rusted and their rust will be evidence against you and they will eat your flesh like fire. Now there's an important caveat here. It's not that money is worthless. We need it to live. And James is not saying that rich people are worthless. But what he is saying is this earthly pursuit, this constant pursuit of earthly riches will mean absolutely nothing when Jesus returns, because a million pounds won't buy you much in the kingdom. James continues on in verse 4. Listen, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You see, if the person that, that James was addressing, who was well off, if they'd manage that through their own hard work, then it wouldn't have been a problem. But as James highlights, their pursuit of this earthly material wealth came at the expense of others. They'd failed to keep that commandment of loving their neighbor. This is obviously in the days before ethical business practices were encouraged and adopted by so many businesses. However, we read all the time of so many companies who fall short of it, fail their workers with poor pay and conditions. 
Still today, we live in a world where a very slim minority hold the vast majority of the wealth of our planet. Still too many people who are persecuted and exploited. Ernst Schumacher writes in his book, Small is Beautiful. He writes about economics as if people mattered. He talks about politics and economics and how it would look if we took people and gave them a higher value than stuff. That we would recognize that money is fuel. There to help us to live, not something to amass at the expense of other people. He ultimately concludes that each individual person has their role to play. That we might usher in this world that probably seems quite utopian. It might surprise you to know that Ernst Schumacher was a hardened atheist for so much of his life. But through the grace of God and through his work, he became a Christian, encountering Jesus and following him for the rest of his life. And I'm sure the example of Jesus in passages like this one from James probably contributed to Ernst Schumacher finding his way to Jesus. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us, holding on to that message that we tend to use at harvest Thanksgiving time, that all good gifts around us come from God. So also remember the message from verse 2, where James reminds us that our material wealth and goods will rot away. We're not able to take them with us. Could amass a whole great storage of stuff, but we can't take it with us. Well, each one of us will eventually leave this planet. Having our eyes fixed on the future and living with that eternal perspective, we realize that it is not the end. We shouldn't allow our natural tendency to want to consume things get in the way of us seeing and treating people in the way that they should be treated, seeing them as fellow children of God that he loves, whether they know that yet or not, God knows them. James then moves on in verse 7 to address another human tendency. And that is impatience. James realizes that the people he's writing to would love to see this utopian world. I'm sure we would too. Where all are treated with love. Everybody has their eyes fixed on that eternal destiny. But given the broken nature of the world, they, as we do, might start to wonder, how long do we have to wait? James writes, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. In our passage from Matthew, 
We were reminded that we do not know the, the date or time that Jesus will return. But James is urging the reader of the letter to hold on to the hope that comes in the promises of God, that we need to continually pray for perseverance, that we might persevere with patience. You might remember that that comes at the very beginning of this letter, that there will be trials and tests. And James's advice at that time was that we prayed for endurance and perseverance in our faith. He reminds us again that we must persevere in faith. Because while this world might not be ideal and far from perfect, it's not our end. Because Jesus has promised us an eternal life with him. But why do we have to wait? Why can't it just happen? James uses this interesting illustration of a farmer and crops. See, a farmer needs to wait for their crops to grow. They can't hurry that process up. They're at the mercy of how things go. But the farmer doesn't sit idly and wait for the crops just to grow. There's a lot of work that goes into it so that you will ensure a good harvest. And in the same way, we must wait patiently, but not passively. We can't rush Jesus to come back. There needs to be a work done in us. A lot of work that needs to be done in the world. A lot of work that needs to be done for the kingdom right here and now. Both the farmer and the follower of Jesus can live by faith as they look forward to their future reward, the harvest, their life in the kingdom. James is reminding us to not live as if Jesus will never ever come back. In fact, it's the contrary. Because our king will return at just the right time. The waiting isn't easy. And as James highlights, we might start to quarrel with one another. It might become difficult. Indeed, it's probably harder now than at any other time in recent history to openly speak of your faith in Jesus. To tell people that you are a Christian. There are many who would love to silence us speaking about Jesus or the eternal life that he offers us. James reminds us that even the prophets of the past have been persecuted for speaking in the name of the Lord. And he highlights this character, Job. Now, Job is a very interesting character and it's an interesting book. Not an easy read by any stretch of the imagination, but a great example of a godly man who was faithful and held on to God's promises, even in the face of unbelievable pain and suffering. Satan puts challenge after challenge before Job in an effort to get him to curse God. Job was a man who had great wealth, a great family. His health was wonderful. 
To all intents and purposes, Job had a great earthly life. However, as the story progresses, Job loses everything. He loses his family, his wealth, loses his good health, which becomes really poor. Even his friends get in on the act. They start mocking him. What are you doing, Job? Your God has let you down. Not with you. Look what's happened. However, at no point does Job curse God. He remains faithful to him. The God who has promised him that he will always be with him. And in the end of the story, we see Job receiving everything back and so much more. Our Lord Jesus has made us a promise that he will never ever forsake us from now until the end of time. We need to remember our eternal destinies. You see, the thing is we might not be in the business of exploiting people like we read in verse 4 but each of us likes to buy new nice things and it might well be different for different people it might be collecting guitars it might be collecting nice new shoes I'm sure we all have something that we like to go out and buy And thankfully, none of those things are bad within themselves. Hallelujah. However, but when we put our pursuit of gathering more and more stuff, and we forget about serving people in the kingdom of God, then we're missing the point. We need to be good stewards of what God has given us. And equally, we might not be the people that are, that are being persecuted or exploited. We're thankful that we live in a part of the world where it is the exception rather than the rule. But there are still so many places in our world where people are continuing to be exploited for the material wealth of a very small minority of people. And we must challenge that. It's not right. As wonderful as life can be. And believe me, life on earth can be wonderful at times. And it should be. You know, too often Christians are accused of being a bit dull. And the party poopers. But that doesn't have to be the case. Especially when we are looking to the future and realize that God has so much more in store for you and for me. Never forget that we have a short time here on earth and it will come to an end. We can't take anything with us, but we can use the hours and the minutes and the seconds that the Lord gives us. That we might prepare ourselves for that eternal life with Jesus. We do that by opening up our hearts, allowing God to work in us on a daily basis. That when our patience is being tested or in those hard times when they hit. I feel that we're being pushed in the direction of maybe neglecting people over the gathering of stuff. 
we've allowed God to work in us, the more that we know those promises of God, the easier it is to step away from that type of behavior and towards our Lord and Savior Jesus. The more he lives in our lives and the more the promises of the scriptures are written into our hearts, we realize that we too, just like Job, have a God who will never forsake us. That everything that we do and through everything that we endure, will have that eye on the future. An eternal life with a God who loves us. An eternal life that was secured by the sacrifice of our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so sorry when we take our eyes away from you and from our eternal destiny. When we've taken for granted your sacrifice for us. Lord Jesus, would you continue to break our hearts for what breaks yours? As we look out into the world and we see the injustice that's there, that we would be driven to action and Lord Jesus, in those times where we get frustrated and impatient and are waiting for you to return, might your Holy Spirit inspire us and strengthen us. Might the words of Scripture be written in our heart. Let us hold on to the promises you make that you are with us always. And might your spirit inspire us to action. You invite us to work with you to build more of your kingdom here in this place. Lord Jesus, we say, use us. And may you hear this prayer, for we offer it in your precious name. Amen.